Buckle up, listeners. Buckle up, listeners. This is the Nomadic C-Suite Podcast. Where globetrotting and boardroom battles go head-to-head. We've got your power trio. Mike Weston, Chase Hattie, and Ethan Bloomfield. Doing deals from sandy beaches to city streets. Smashing norms and breaking boundaries. Craving an adrenaline-fueled ride into the uncharted territories of 21st century remote leadership? Welcome aboard. This is the Nomadic C-Suite Podcast. We're not just doing business, we're redefining it. I will be hosting today's episode along with Chase Hattie and Ethan Bloomfield. And this episode is Host of Reeking Chronicles, Ethan's Escapade to the Tropics. <laughs> well, let me start the episode, as I do most, with the most popular drink in Costa Rica. As you probably can see, there is beer with ice. The beer in Costa Rica, the most popular is a Nicaraguan beer called Pilsen. And then... We have unlimited supply of fresh squeezed lemon and lime. So you mix the three together, ice, pilsen, and a little lemon to get a michelada. And that's perfect around sunset, which it is right now. So I'm ready to go and ready to talk about my escapades in the tropics, bro. Cheers to you, man. Cheers. Before we get into that, there's like another drink down there that is like the greatest thing I've ever had. And it's real spicy and delicious. Chili guado. Oh my God! I could have that all day long. I could have it right now. It's like you know, I've never heard of that. What what is that, Ethan? So it is using a a Costa Rican alcohol called cacique, which is made out of sugar cane, Mm -hmm. and it's a spicy lemony tomato. So it's basically like a Bloody Mary shot with the cheapest grain, disgusting alcohol you've ever had in your life, but you can't taste it. And every bar has their own recipe. There's actually competitions for the best chili guaro. Interesting. You can't find it anywhere else. You go anywhere like New York City, you go to any bar and you're just, you know, it it could be a bar that's Costa Rican and they don't have chili guaro there. You can buy the mix. You can buy the mix at the airport the next time you come to visit me if they let you back. (laughs) That's a big question mark. So again, this episode is Costa Rican Chronicles, Ethan's Escapade to the Tropics. Ethan Bloomfield here has made the giant plunge of moving to Costa Rica. The whole theme of the Nomadic C-Suite is working remotely, working out of another country, working as an expat in another country and ethan has really embraced that in the tropics so just kicking it right off you know life before costa rica why don't you tell us a little bit about like life in the u.s and what prompted this move before i do that just a quick shameless plug on next week's episode i'll be interviewing uh, mike whiston about his time in tokyo japan we are the three continent nomadic c-suite and then mike will be talking with chase about his experience in moving to Bermuda. So stay tuned for the next episodes and you get to hear a little bit about each of our experiences. So let me just kind of jump into it, Mike. I think that was a perfect jump off to talk about what I was doing before. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. One thing is I had been working remotely uh, from my home for about 12 or 13 years 
prior to making the move to Costa Rica. So I was very experienced pre-COVID, pre-everybody works from home. I was very experienced in the discipline that it takes to both turn on your work and more importantly, to turn off your work. So I worked from home in Western Massachusetts for a variety of companies and also built my own consulting practice that I ran for five or six years. The other thing that was going on in my life, and I think we'll each talk about our own experiences with this topic as we all chat, was I was raising kids. I have three kids and my commitment to them was that they could graduate high school where they grew up. I wouldn't move them to where I wanted to be. I did not want to be in Western Massachusetts. It's cold, it's gray, and I'd spent my whole life there and I was really ready for something new. I wasn't sure over those years that my decision was necessarily going to be to expatriate or, or move to a foreign country. I thought a lot about California, but I'll be honest with you, while it was probably top on my list, living anywhere on the west side of LA or near the beaches in San Francisco is just it's not that it's unaffordable. It's that all your money goes into housing. And I really like to do other things with my money than just pay rent or mortgage. My friends live in outside of San Francisco, and I think they pay $4,500 a month rent for a two-bedroom. Wow. Shack. Not shack, well, just, but cottage. Just a, a question then, Ethan. So what was the criteria that you're looking to satisfy when you're deciding where to go next? Climate. So I wanted warm. Mm-hmm. Although a lot's changed in the last five years for me, beach was top priority for me. I think as my life evolves, that's evolving as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that in my journey. And you have to deal with the beach coming right up to your door a couple times a year, no, at least once no. a year, right? No, that's just the river. <laughs> uh, we do. We have two seasons here in Costa Rica. We have hot and dry and hot and rainy. <laughs> and that's it. Those are the seasons. We call hot and rainy winter and we call hot and dry summer. And because we're nearly equatorial, it's converse to North America. So our summer starts in December. So Um, your criteria was essentially good weather and somewhere that wasn't as absurdly as expensive as your Western California. That's right. And I had a particular affinity for uh, a Spanish-speaking culture if it was outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife's family is from Guatemala. They all speak Spanish in the home. I grew up speaking Spanish. So the quick backstory, actually just kind of moving into the Odyssey begins, right, is Veronica and I, before we were married, we, we started vacationing and where should we go? And we landed on Costa Rica for a vacation for a variety of reasons. The most important was in all of our research of all the islands in the Caribbean and South and Central America, you're not confined to the beach town or the resort. It's not dangerous off the resort. You can live and interact with the locals. I've heard often in Jamaica or the Dominican, you're just not supposed to leave the resort. And we really wanted a place that we could explore. We're very attracted to the outdoor culture, riding quads, riding horses, surfing, watching volcanoes, minor hiking, if you can see my belly. Was there anything else that might have played a part in making you want to go down there? Yeah, because it strikes me as the kind of place that you go to visit or you want to rent a nice house on the beach and then go home. But that's what we did for two years. We came here. In fact, Mike, you came with us on our third trip and spent a week here in one of the towns nearby. And we did all of that stuff, Tamarindo. Right? <laughs> Tamarindo. <laughs> so we did all that stuff. But every time we came, we just left feeling so natural here. 
that we said, gosh, I would love to be able to live here. Every time we came down for vacations, friends, family, and by ourselves, we just kept saying, gosh, uh, wouldn't it be great to live here? And after the, that one trip that we took, actually, I got engaged on that trip while Mike was there, along with like eight of our other closest friends and family. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, we had like the catamaran and everything, right? It was a great trip. We can talk awesome. about that trip for days. The last few days, just Veronica and I stayed and we really got it in our heads that we want to move here. And so when we got back, we actually really started the process of researching the process of moving here, what it would take. And then what do they call it? Like, you know, realtor.com porn, just looking <laughs> at houses constantly. Looking that, that's at a rabbit hole. That's a, that's a rabbit hole. Once you, once you go down that, you can't, you can't turn back. Like, and you look at this one and then like, there's like 17 others. It's like the, yeah, it, it really is porn. Yeah. I'm curious for you to elaborate on that a bit more, Ethan. Like what is it like trying to buy a house in Costa Rica? Is it super complicated? Is it friendly for foreign ownership? Like it's, it's everything even about pricing. Yeah. Uh, pricing changed a lot. I moved here five years ago. I bought my house over five years ago. Okay. Um, we had picked our house out maybe eight months before we even had the money to buy it. Um, and so the market has dramatically changed. That wouldn't happen today. Houses go on the market for a day or two. But I'll tell you about the process. Here's the easy parts. Here's the hard parts. The easy parts are it's an extraordinarily expat, North American, American, you know, U.S. and Canadian friendly country. They want your money. They make it easy. Um, I don't technically have residency. I operate on a tourist visa. I only have to leave the country every 90 days, and I can leave to Nicaragua for 20 minutes. Now, in my life, I have business, kids, grandkids. I get on an airplane and go somewhere every 90 days, often much more frequently. So buying a house, super, super easy with one exception. So the legal process was straightforward. They have some slight different rules. You deal with foreigners when you're doing this or are you dealing with local Costa Rican real estate agents? Uh, the real estate agents are all uh, Canadian and, and American, North American. The lawyers are all Costa Rican. Interesting. You know, they say, what does it take to get your real estate license in Costa Rica? And the answer is your passport. Um, anybody can be a realtor and everybody is right. Everybody's hustling and bustling, but the process was simple. We came down, we knew we wanted this house, the one behind me. We decided it would make sense to look at at least three others in at least two other towns. So we did that trip and then we came back and we bought this one process took us all of 30 days probably to close. Costs were really low at that time. The house was extremely inexpensive and had been on the market for almost a year at that point. So wow. she was thrilled to negotiate and take what I offered. Would you say it's easier or harder to buy a house in Costa Rica than in America? It's harder for this reason. No mortgage. You're buying in cash. Okay. Would you say it's an opportunity for expats to get into that real estate game if they're looking for an opportunity in Costa Rica? I would say half of the, my friends here are in some aspect of the real estate business, building and developing land, selling it off, building and developing land, renting it out, literally in the construction of real estate business. So the entire economy in my town operates around real estate of some form or fashion. So that leads me right into the next segment here about Costa Rican business culture. And obviously your business is in the United States and you, know, you do business some with other countries business. as well. But yeah, some of the businesses in the United States, but in moving to Costa Rica, have you 
integrated at all with the local business community? Are there opportunities that you've taken advantage of, or you know, have you been working closely with businesses? And I mean, you're talking it, about my side hustles. Your side hustles, boy. That's Your side hustles. About. Yeah, <laughs> getting into business here is real easy. I've been involved with three or four. Um, the biggest project, and I'm involved with right now. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, thunder. That's awesome. <laughs> Rolling like thunder. <laughs> oh wait, this isn't Friday night karaoke. It no. could be. It could be. It just it just takes a song. <laughs> so, well, I bought with some neighbors and friends of mine who are involved in the horse community, equestrian, and riding. We bought about 120 acres of undeveloped jungle, about 40 minutes north of here, and we're going to turn it into a true Costa Rican ranch experience resort. Start very small, five little cabins, a rancho restaurant where we'll feed people farm to table. And that project is actually kicking off as we speak. We also started a a motorcycle shop. Didn't go well. I didn't really understand that all the money in motorcycle repairs was made in the labor hours, not in the parts business. And I own the parts business and I couldn't make any money at it, but I was doing all the investing. So I, I got out of it. I've had about eight other ideas that I've taken to some level or another. You know, one idea, Mike, that I've been talking about here is everybody who comes to my town thinks they're a damn influencer, like like the three of us clowns. <laughs> um, and one idea I had was, what about like a WeWork for content creators? Like a place where these guys could come in, produce, do their podcasts and videos, upload them over high-speed internet while they're here. Um Boy, it's going to get radical here in a minute. I love it, though. This this is is amazing. Yeah, this is really good. That's some serious thunder. That's the winter. Wait till you see the lightning and the rain. So, yeah, getting into business here is great. I will always have side hustle in my life, right? I've got a question, Ethan. So it sounds like a lot of the business ventures that you've been involved in then have involved a fair few gringos, right? Or at least gringos is like the main market where you are right now. Yeah, correct. So with, with that in mind, is it kind of like doing business in the United States just with a certain type of American that's willing to make the move and do something adventurous? Well, you know, you said lots of No, I mean, all my employees, when I start these businesses and some of my partners are locals, either Costa Rican or Nicaraguan, you know, on the finance side, bringing the money in, I'm usually working with North Americans, but we have a family of four that lives on the finca and cares for the animals and grows the plants and they have their little house up there. Finca means farm, by the way. You know, we, we're very involved. And, and I got to tell you, you know, we want more authentic Costa Rica than what's around me right now. And so we do a conscious decision to be community friendly, to involve the locals. Our house cleaning person was coming to the house and had to bring her child every day. And we had this conversation about women empowerment and it's important to my wife. And she's like, well, why are we paying them $5 an hour just because we can? Why not pay her $10 an hour? And let her get childcare, and she'll actually do better work and be a happier person. Yeah, and the result's been phenomenal. So we yeah. really do try to give back to the community and involve people in the community. For example, our workers live obviously rent and food free um, when they work with us, and they get a salary and income. Um, so yeah, we do involve the local community, Chase. I want to shift gears on this a little bit here. You know, you're talking about your employees or the people that you're employing in Costa Rica, but you know, you also manage a remote team or a team remotely rather, you know, your teams in the U S or around the world. What's that like managing a remote team from I'm going to really shortcut this for you, Mike, zero difference 
than if I was sitting in Western Massachusetts, Stanford, Connecticut, New York City. There's nothing different about it except for the sound of rain and thunder this time of year. Literally no difference. Well, then no. I imagine something that is different, though, is like it must be kind of harder to strike a, a work-life balance in. And when I say the work-life balance, I mean, it must be hard to move away from life into work when you're right by a tropical rainforest and a beautiful beach. We talked about this before. I think for the first few months to a year that we were here, it was like that transition from this is vacation to this is home. Now that I've been here five years through COVID and everything, man, I, I got to tell you, it's just life. Yeah, I have great perks. Mm -hmm. I can have lunch at the beach if I want. But Chase, I don't do it that often. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I the novelty's worn off. It's not even the novelty. I just live a regular human existence in a really cool place. To that end, on everything I've ever seen for swag from Costa Rica, it's all Pura Vida. So why don't you talk a little bit about what Pura Vida is and what it means to you? And is it still something that drives you there? Pure Vida directly translates to the pure life. I don't think that's the best description of the word. Pura Vida is how you say hello, how you say goodbye, how you say I love you, how I say fuck off. It's the most <laughs> generic word you can use, but it does describe the cultural pace of things, which is slow. We, we, we have a joke here with um, builders and contractors. That was awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That was fucking sick. That was sick. Man, Ethan might get struck by lightning. That would I make the best episode ever. I yeah. felt that one. We felt, felt that one. <laughs> Our right listeners felt me. that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's what you deal with here. So, pura vida, pura vida, it, it, it just means a relaxed way of living. A lot of it is just a slow pace. You know, we have a joke with contractors who working on your car, building your house, and they say, don't worry, it'll be done by Monday. Then your follow-up question is, yeah, I, I know Monday, Monday of what week? They're like, <laughs> the second week. And, and you say, okay, cool, but of what month, right? And that's the going joke. When we first came, I remember being the only person in a bar, my wife, the only two people. And it took 20 minutes from entering to having our first sip of a beer. Mm -hmm. That's between them diddle-daddling and doing their own thing. until they, And it's not rude. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, you wait on a line in New York and you're like, fuck everything. I want to shoot all these people and kill them. Yes. No, no, I've, I've never, I've, I've never felt that way before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Here you're standing on the line at the bank for an hour. You might be drinking a beer, talking with friends. It's like a social hour. And you're just like, okay, pura vida, my, and, like, and by the way, you drove there on your ATV. Oh, oh no, my my Honda two thirty CRF conversion to a scrambler, but yeah, there you exactly. go. Yeah, yeah, it was um, cool. All right, guys, so, I think we're almost yeah. at time, but I think okay. a good way to wrap this up would be for Ethan. Tell us about your favorite parts of living in Costa Rica, and give us a summary as to if anyone who's listening right now has been contemplating making the move down there. What would your advice be, and and what can they expect? Chase, that's a super interesting question. I'm going to be an asshole for a second and tell you. It's everything you would imagine it is. It's beautiful weather, beautiful people. It's pura vida. It's relaxed. It's laid back. I can do my own thing. It's a sense of freedom in who you are. I can go to the coffee shop or out to dinner just covered in horse shit and sweat. And nobody would glance at me. Okay. I can go dressed up to the nines. Nobody would give me a second glance. 
I can even do what Mike does and put on a skirt every now and again and free ball. And nobody would look twice at me. I mean, I just look at myself in the mirror when I do that. (laughs) So there's a sense of freedom that comes with living here that never goes away. There's tons of downsides like there are to living anywhere. Today, we're about to experience one. This rainstorm's going to come. We're going to lose power. And we're going to lose the second two podcasts. Well, at least it. we get to hear the birds in the background. And the rain. Well, very insightful. <laughs> Ethan, really, it was great learning a little bit more about what drove you to move down to Costa Rica, learning a little bit more about Costa Rica in general and what it's like both living there and doing business in Costa Rica. Anyone who's looking to learn more about Costa Rica, feel free to hit up Ethan directly. Uh, we have links on the show pages or on Apple Podcasts. Pound that like button and I'll send you more info.